Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Welcome to the nth dimension. So this is the first time that I used uh, audio music to introduce myself. I'm Shreya or the Shrey, if you want to call me, choose what you may. Uh, one of my friends and hearty supporters uh, pointed out that I don't have an intro music. Um, so I thought I'd uh, open up with uh, Sloshed by D. Yan K, which I, which I took off like uh, the uh, website that I'm allowed to like download music uh, without like a license. But shout out to Jack for pointing that out. And since he's an ace guitarist, uh, I will be bugging you to make me an intro. So I'm putting this out in public so that you're held accountable. Anywho, welcome to the end dimension. Another episode of What's Up World, a weekly segment that I do on uh, the week's global happenings. And uh, before I dive in, did anyone watch the Wimbledon Wimbledon semifinal yesterday between Nadal and Federer? The first their first uh, match on on that court since two thousand and eight, and Federer won! Yay! Uh, now I'm not like a big hardy tennis fan, but it is a sport that I have grown up watching, just thanks to my family. Uh, so it was it was so it was so cool watching him play, watching them play, and then watching him win. And before coming here, I found out that Serena Williams actually lost to Simona Halep who won her first Wimbledon title. So good on her. Um, it was actually something really cute happening in the Federer Nadal match. I'm not sure if you guys, if for, for those of who, for those of whom who, who watched it, there was a little young boy reading a book and people started tweeting, like there's this crazy match happening and there's a young guy in the, in the audience who doesn't really care. And he's just like so engrossed in his book. And now he's just, he's become a Twitter uh, social media sensation. Uh, that's the kind of world we live in. Anything quirky and then you become a sensation. Pros and cons to that. Um, so today I'm going to be talking a bit about our place in the world. Again, uh, the place of humans in this world and also like our connection to um, the life that we lead and, and communities and society. That seems to be like a running theme of my podcast. Um, and then, of course, I cannot have an episode without talking about climate change. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, so the first story that I want to talk about, uh, I found on BBC. And as usual, I will be posting all links that I that I talk about, all stories that I talk about on my um, on my in my description. And now I do have a Twitter handle for my podcast. It's called the underscore nth dimension. So do follow and everything will be posted on there. So the first story I want to talk about, I found on BBC, it's called India Jans. Why are these youngsters renouncing the world? So Jans are a religious community uh, in India, and they are um, a minority, not that by, by numbers, nobody's a mi minority in India because there's just so many of us. Um, but this particular story is about a, is about a young girl who... Uh, has decided to renounce and she's a Singhi and she belongs to the ancient Jain community. 
uh, with about 4.5 million believers in the world. Um, and the story said that um, about until about a few years ago, there were only 10 to 15 such renunciations known as dikshas, uh, which have uh, risen, which rose to 250 in 2018. So now we're in 2019 and they rose to about 400. So I got me thinking, you know, India is a very, I'm from India, as I have pointed out so many times in this podcast, I'm from India and India is a very aspirational country at the moment because there is just, there's just scope to do so much. Um, our economy started growing uh, about six to, between six to 8% about five to six years ago. And since then it's just, it's, it's become, it's been so often called the next superpower of the world. And in many ways it is because there's so, there's so much happening. There's so much aspiration in that, in that country. People are, people, want to achieve more they want more money they want more fame they want more power they want a better lifestyle and all those things have happened uh it you know some of the richest people are in india at the same time some as some of the poorest people are in india um anyways it's been pegged the next superpower of the world so many times um so when i was reading the article it was very interesting for me to see that a young person in her 20s uh, wants to renounce the world where she will be giving up everything that she that she loves uh, along with her family. She won't she won't be seeing her parents again. Um, you know, she she won't be having the things that she likes to eat. She won't be with the friends that she loves and so on and so forth. Um, what, and again, that that got me thinking about what that says about the world that we live in, um, that, you know, some existential crises cannot be filled by the physical material world and they can they can only come from uh spirituality i suppose that's what she's seeking she wants to go into herself to see what the world has to offer um and i think no matter uh how we how we progress in this world we go to school then university get a job get married have kids but there's still these like burning questions that i think everyone faces about who we are and what's our place in the world. And no amount of money, no amount of car, no amount of fame can, can solve that for you. And we're not taught how to deal with uh, failure because you can be famous one moment and that can be taken away from you. The next you can be married one moment and not be next. So we're not, I feel like we're not taught these things. Um, we're not taught how to find maneuver our way through adult life. And these are some things that I often talk about with my friends. Um, I'm in my, mid 20s inching towards my late 20s actually wait i am in my late 20s because i'm 26 now everyone knows how old i am um so these are some things that i talk about often with my friends who are also in the same age group as i and you know um till university you live a very sheltered life and the things that the so-called tragedies that happen are very they in hindsight they're 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 comical um but as you get older and you have to more responsibilities uh, come upon you, the, the tragedies that one faces, they become harder to bear almost. And you learn about the way different people act and in the workplace or in relationships or in friendships. Um, and it just, it just, it, it, but nobody teaches you how to, how to deal with emotions in, in different facets of your life. Um, and I know a lot of people are, uh, especially young people are letting go of religion and faith and spirituality, but those answers at the same time, I feel are hard to find in the physical 
material material world. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, how money will solve these absurd existential questions for me, or how uh, getting a fancy job in a corporate office will solve those questions for me. At the same time, uh, I, I do recognize that I live in a world that that relies heavily on me having a bank uh, account where I put where I put my steady income in so that I can one day buy a house and that means that I need to get a steady job. Um, but anyways, uh, the reason I brought this up was because it was very interesting that so many young people in an aspirational country like India are choosing to give everything up um, to, to live, uh, to walk around barefoot, live on food that people will give them uh, according, to, according to their fancy. Um, and wear a ver wear very simple white clothes. Um, so, so another story in the same in the same sort of theme I read was about this twenty year old guy uh, who is actually now forty seven. But in nineteen eighty six, when he was twenty, his name is Christopher Knight. He decided to become a hermit um, in rural Maine, and he abandoned his car and he just took some very basic, simple supplies and he set up camp in, in, in the woods in rural Maine, and he didn't come out for 27 years. And the only reason he came out was because the way he was surviving was by uh, taking food from camps next door. Um, and, and people started getting suspicious, uh, suspicious about how this food was being stolen. So, so um, yeah, so, so the reason, the, how he was caught was, uh, the, the cops set up trap and, and that's how he was caught and, and he had to come out of being a hermit. Um, but it was very interesting that he chose this life upon himself just to be with woods and in the forest um, and, and leave a life behind that he could, you know, um, again, buy, have money, buy car, go to university, et cetera, et cetera, the social conventional way of living. All he wanted to do was live amongst nature where he felt at peace and at home. Um, so very interesting to hear these stories. I keep saying that very interesting for me to hear these stories of people who chose to go down a very unbeaten, unconventional and difficult path because um, it is not easy being on your own. We are social creatures and we're almost poked fun in this, in this day and age when we choose to spend time with ourselves. Um, and being alone is uh, sort of judged sometimes. So uh, in, in, in this materialistic, highly materialistic and competitive world, interesting to see that people, young people are renouncing. Um, on to climate change. Uh, if you guys have been following me for the last five episodes, you will have noticed that no episode on the nth dimension goes without the mention of climate change, because like I have said so many times, I feel that it is our greatest biggest existential threat facing human beings without this planet that uh, that supports life, the only planet that we know of that supports intelligent life like we have here on Earth, we know of no other planet. So when I say existential threat, what is going to happen to the species uh, that is us, homo sapiens, human beings, what's going to happen uh, if we don't have the planet? Um, so an interesting story that I found was a flight from Vancouver to Sydney, Vancouver, Canada to Sydney. Uh, on Thursday, had to had to land in a surprise landing in Honolulu in, in the States after facing crazy turbulence. 
Um, and this was called clear air turbulence, um, which after the plane landed, researchers are saying that um, increasing, CO increasing CO2 in the environment and the atmosphere, of course, will lead to warming of the environment. And that will cause more flights to face increased turbulence because increased CO2 means warmer temperatures. And that means shifting wind patterns with stronger and less predictable less predictable airflow. I'm just having a moment with all my pronunciations today. Um, excuse me, I didn't drink water before coming into the studio. Um, so as temperatures increase, we're going to feel, we're, thank you, Alex, just passed me some, some liquid. <laughs> um, so as temperatures increase, um, um, are, are the things that, that we spend so easily on nowadays, for example, in Europe, there is a airlines called Ryanair, and it's so it's 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 an extremely budget cheap airline. So, um, once upon a time, flying was for the super rich, super lavish, but now it's become for the everyday people. But um, if this research does prove to be uh, plausible, then climate change and warmer temperatures will mean that we'll have to shell out more money to travel, and it will also mean that it will take longer to get to uh, for for uh, planes to cover distances. So the, for example, if it takes, hypothetically, if it takes five hours to go from North America to Europe, that, can't, that might uh, take between six to eight hours uh, with the warming of the climate. And of course, that means more fuel and millions of dollars being spent to maintain planes. And then that, uh, that will, that burden of, um, uh, that burden of what's the word I'm looking for? That burden of money will will fall on the consumers. That is us, and our ticket prices will go up. But that also means that this is a vicious cycle. That means that the planes will be up in the air longer. That means they will emit more uh, harmful emissions, and we're we're going to be stuck in this vicious cycle. So uh, I know I've said this many times, and and I've said this in in one of my previous episodes. But the effects of climate change are very invisible. The earth getting warmer like what how can i feel that in real time sure the temperature today is 35 degrees celsius and tomorrow it'll be 36 the day after it might be 32. um what does this actually mean to me um one of the real ways that we will experience the ramifications of climate change is through uh things getting more expensive and experiences getting more expensive food will get more expensive um and it seems that traveling will also get more expensive um so something to think about this, 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 I've never heard of a plane landing. Uh, I mean, of course, planes have landed because of turbulence, but turbulence caused by increased CO2 in the environment. This, this is the first time I heard of it. And I wanted to share it with everybody just to show how real the effects of climate change can be. Um, another thing that I want to talk about, and I, and this is something that uh, has uh, been brewing in my brain for a bit, and let's put it out there how rich people can help curb climate change. Um, so lots of thoughts going on in my head, but um, when the industrial revolution happened, of course, it was the so-called develop, more developed world uh, as we know it now that contributed to great industrialization and they uh, emitted carbon emissions to at the time when, when there wasn't a lot of, lot of talk happening about climate change. And we have countries like uh, Canada, America, UK, uh, et cetera, countries in Europe that have been built on the back of 
uh, high industrialization and they are where they are now. And now they have the liberty to reduce their carbon emissions. However, countries like India, which are less, less developed economies, um, who only started, India only started growing uh, at the speed it is now only a few years ago. And of course, this, this, this is a debate that has been happening for a while. How can we expect a country that only started industrializing a few years ago to reduce its carbon emissions because the pressure of building its economy will prove to be harder um, if caps on carbon emissions are placed. Of course, we are living in a unified uh, world in the sense that our atmosphere is shared by everybody, our air is shared by everybody, no matter how many boundaries we put on maps and in the world. Um, the blue sky does not know any boundaries. Um, and in that sense, we are living in, in one world. Um, however, what, what, in terms of how, how rich people can help curb climate change is that in, in, the, in the actualization triangle, um, rich people have a roof over their head um, and they, they have food to eat, they have clothes to wear, they probably have stable jobs, stable income, and they, they have reached a point in their life where they can self-actualize and also help create change in society. Um, and there has actually been studies that rich people um, contribute more to carbon footprint than, 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 than poor people. So Oxfam had estimated that the average carbon footprint of some of the world's richest 1% could be 175 times that of someone in the poorest 10%. And of course, studies say that uh, studies also show that poor poor people also uh, suffer the most when it uh, suffer the most from climate change. And if I look at uh, a less developed country like India, and then I look at uh, a more developed country like Canada, and I've had the privilege of seeing both and living in both. I am living in Toronto right now, um, but um, in terms of the way people live in India, it and compared to here. It is, it is off, right off the bat easy for me to say that the common average person in India contributes less to uh, climate change. Their carbon footprint is less. For example, the average person in India does not go and buy groceries in a supermarket, as is the case here. As supermarkets are, everything in supermarkets is wrapped in plastic bags. Automatically, you pick up a broccoli, you're automatically contributing to carbon footprint. Unfortunately, that's how... Uh, Markets are built in, in more developed countries like Canada, which is not the case in India. Uh, so automatically, that's less carbon footprint. The culture of buying coffee, as it is in Europe and North America, does not exist to the same extent in India. Um, the cafe culture is coming about, but we don't uh, go and buy two cups of coffee a day, contributing to two disposable cups a day that will end up in a landfill. Uh, people obviously there are less number of people who have the ability to buy cars uh, and they end up using public transport. So again, you know, you're contributing less to carbon emissions and your carbon footprint will automatically be less because you just don't have the option to buy a car. Of course, those numbers, as India becomes a rich, more rich country, those, those numbers are increasing and the transfer from the poor to the middle income bracket to the rich is increasing. Um, but going back to how rich people can help curb climate change is that uh, if you have a di more disposable income, that means you have the ability to spend on electric cars, 
solar panels, buy locally and more organic vegetables and, and, and become role models in how you spend your, in how you spend your money. This takes me back to a bill that was passed, that was tried to pass in India in 2016, which wanted to restrict the amount of money uh, that could be spent on a wedding to 25% of a family's annual income uh, with, with a cap of about five lakh rupees. Unfortunately, my math is not great enough for me to convert that into dollars right now. Um, yeah, I'm not even gonna try. I wanna say 0.5 million. No, not even gonna try. Five lakh rupees, you guys. We can Google that. Google what that means in Canadian dollars. Uh, there was a lot of uh, outcry over this random bill that was trying to pass, but the bigger picture I saw was that Indian weddings over the years have become big and fat and people spend millions of dollars, no matter which income bracket you come from every year to, to have a lavish wedding. Sure, you have earned the right to do that. You have the freedom to do that. But I think there's a moral responsibility that comes with spending money, uh, especially if that's going to contribute to uh, environmental damage, especially also in a country like India, where there, where there are poor living alongside the rich. What you spend spend your money on, I think, has a moral implication um, because there are people living side by side who don't have the same privileges and facilities as you. So rich people have the opportunity to become role models in the sense of showing and setting the ground for how your money can be spent. Um, and that means that we get to build a society that doesn't look at richness, does, that doesn't equate richness with how much money you have. So uh, self-actualized people have the opportunity to create a rich world that does not depend on money. Maybe it depends on experiences. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what it will depend on because we do live in a highly capitalized world, but we can try and inch away from uh, money dominating our world to creating a world where richness uh, means something else. So some food for thought out there. Um, that is all for today's episode where we spoke again about what it means to be human in this absurd world where we're here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, so let's just do the best we can, I suppose. Um, also, John Tory was just in the house right now. Had a little bit of a chit chatter with him. He's roaming around in stacked markets. So if you're around and you see him, say hi. It's not a, it's not uh, and not anything to be scared of. We said hi, right, guys? Right, guys? Were we scared? Kevin in the house, Alex in the house. Cool. Uh, so enjoy your weekend. It's sunny and windy today. Uh, have a great weekend. Be safe. Be humble. Be peaceful. Ciao. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Offers valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.